This morning again, we have Dr. Edson Nam. Would you guys welcome him to the stage, please? Good morning, guys. Morning. Knock over the stage on my way up. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here, and we know that the Lord has given you stuff for us to learn from. Uh, so we'll pray for you and let you loose. Thank you. Father, thank you so much uh, for Edson. Thank you for his gift of teaching. Uh, God, I pray that uh, during our time together, you would admonish us. Um, you would bring clarity to the depth of love that you have given to us and poured out in order to redeem us and um, call us back to yourself. So God, I pray that you would move in us, you would move through Edson, Lord, uh, you would speak your words uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was a little surprised people showed back up after last week, but I guess it went okay. <laughs> uh, brief update, I told you about Joey, my new car, sort of my new car last week. Um, 1994 Land Rover, for those of you all that were not here last week. I guess at some point I'll have to bring a picture and show it to you. But um, brief update, I told you that the reason I wanted a Land Rover for a long time was because I grew up in Land Rovers in Tanzania uh, as a missionary and um, wanted not to be the person in the back with all the hitchhikers and instead be the person getting to drive it. Um, and I also told you that it actually is probably secretly Renda's car. She just lets me pretend it's mine. So that brief update. But the update is this. Um, I picked up my first hitchhiker, and they had to sit in back, and it was great. I was so happy about that. <laughs> my first hitchhiker. And they didn't have a gun or anything. It was good. <laughs> um, the other thing that's interesting about our church is um, I think everyone here knows that we have an online uh, Monday, uh, Sunday morning service that you can watch online. Uh, shout out to, I think, the, some of the Veldstras are at home potty training and they're watching online. Perfect. Um, it also is available as a recording, which is fascinating to me because Renda has a whole bunch of people that follow her on social media and she put it online. And I had people from Tanzania saying thank you and hello and people from Florida and people from Virginia. Those would be the places I've lived in the past. Um, so I, I had felt like I needed to give a shout out to them and say hi, Florida. Hi, Virginia. Actually, Virginia would be hi, y'all. And uh, in uh, Tanzania would be jambo habarigani, nimefrayu mekuja pamoja nasileo. So there you go. That's my little, my little hello to everybody. Um, so, last week we talked about our past uh, and how God loves us and how He wants to heal our past, redeem it, um, and walk with us uh, with a healed history uh, so that we can move forward in His love and know His love. And this week we're going to talk about uh, today, about now, about what it's like to walk with God today uh, in the now uh, and what that means. So. Um, you can go on to that next slide for me. God loves me, past me, present me, which is today, and future me, which will be next week. Um, I do want to finish up the email story. Uh, so those of you that got the email, there was a little teaser, so I want to close that off for you. 
Uh, Ren and I went on a mission trip. It was her first mission trip, and as I mentioned in the email, we had this experience where we were planning on doing a medical missions trip, and two weeks before we were about to depart, our, all of our medications fell through. And it's, as I said in the email, it's great to go as a doctor. You're like really smart. You can diagnose them and you can say to them, you have malaria. I'm sorry that you have malaria. I wish that I had something to help you with that malaria, but all I can do is tell you, you have that malaria. So you have to have medications, right? So um, we prayed. We asked some people at church to pray with us. One of them called a radio station and said, I heard about this need. The radio station called Renda. She happened to be off at home that day. And as they were talking to her live on the air, our other phone was ringing off the hook. Um, and by the end of a week, we had so many medications, we couldn't even take them all. Um, so it was a real blessing. The trip itself was, was a remarkable experience for both of us. And it felt like the entire time, two weeks for us, had just kind of been arranged as if God had made every day, every hour, exactly the way he wanted it. We had a calling on every part of that entire trip. It's really quite extraordinary. Some of the, some of the events were funny. Uh, Renda, it was her first time to Africa, so she learned about roaches. Um, roaches as in like four and a half inch roaches. Uh, when I stepped on it, you could hear the crunch and the stuff squirted out the side. Um, she, I, I discovered that she didn't like bats. Uh, flying in her hair, surprise. I thought, you know, most people would like that. Um, but her exam room where she was supposed to do her exam, she's an OBGYN, so you just get the picture here, had bats flying down, and she found it hard to do an OBGYN exam. We won't go into details when the bats were flying in her hair. So we moved her to another exam room. Uh, <laughs> it, was quite, it was a fun experience, but also all sorts of stuff that we learned. The, the thing that was extraordinary to me, though, and they just kind of put a little punctuation on the end of it, was at the end of it, we were getting ready to leave the next morning, and we had been given some money for ministry to kind of get us through and to use as we saw fit. Um, and at the end, we counted up the money that we had left, and we had $170. And we were discussing who should we give this to, what should we do with it. Um, we weren't really sure. Some of the people that maybe might have needed it, had, we weren't going to get a chance to see them again. And there was a knock at our door. This was nine o'clock at night. And someone came in and we greeted them and they started explaining that they had heard that we were there, that we were doctors, and their child had a cleft lip. And they, well, I don't know what they wanted us to do at nine o'clock at night, but um, so they started talking to us and I said to them, um, it, you know, we can't help you now, but, but there are places where you can take your child for surgery. Um, it just, it's a long trip and it's difficult. And uh, he said, yes, I know I've checked into it, but we don't have the money for what is required for that. And I said, how much do you think it would cost? And in Tanzania shillings, he said $170. That's how much we need. Um, and it was just, uh, how extraordinary is that? And I think that that is an example in some ways of what I want to talk about this morning. And that is, what is it like to live every day with God in your life, filled with love, and able to share that love with other people. Present me. So it's truths I should know. Um, and I love this little line that um, uh, I discovered as I was researching some of this. God is not just in love with you, but he is love for you. 
And so we're going to talk about that. Um, that's kind of the theme of, of today, that God is love for you. So not only do we have a Father who is alive and living, a living Redeemer, um, but He wants us to know what love is. He wants us to be love for others. And He is the teacher of love, but also the giver of love. He is love for us. And also I wanted to do our uh, little gift thanks to the Lord reading. So if you go to that next slide for me. Um, and y'all remember, you had, this is a participatory exercise. So um, we're gonna, since y'all practiced last week, I'm expecting really amazing interaction here. All right, so you all are going to read the italics, and I will start off. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is love. Well, that's pretty good. He welcomed me into His family. His presence is with me. He holds me tenderly, quietly. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is love. He calls me His own. His seal of love is on me. He calls me by name. I like that last line. He knows my name. My name's Edson, and he knows that. He knows who I am. Um, if you want to do any research on this particular topic, um, and next week I'm actually going to show you some resources, but um, today's message in general sort of uh, loosely is taken from Psalm 103, uh, and we're going to read a couple of verses. I will briefly mention um, translations that I use, because sometimes there's a little bit of confusion over that. A lot of people know translations, and it's, that'll, this will be old hat for you, but for those of you that are a little bit confused why there's so many different translations, um, there are translations where they try to translate the language exactly as it is in the original, in the Greek or the Hebrew. Uh, and when you do that, it comes across as hard to understand in English. And then there are translations where they, they try to translate as close to the original, but they're really trying to also capture the meaning, so they're trying to do both together. Um, and then there are translations where they're really just interested in the meaning. They're not trying to follow the word order or even necessarily the same words, but they're trying to capture the meaning. Um, sometimes we call those paraphrases. And so um, if you want to really understand the words of, of a verse, like you want to do a word-by-word -word study, you might use a translation like the New American Standard Bible because um, they're, they're closer like that and they're harder to understand. Um, and then if you want to do something where you want a little bit easier to understand language, you might use the, the ESV, uh, English Standard Version. And then if you want something where it's, there's really a focus on meaning, you might use one like the message, which is what I've used on some of these verses here. So this is the message, Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5. He forgives your sins, every one. He heals your diseases, every one. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. You are always young in his presence. The older I get, the more I like that last line. <laughs> Have you all noticed as you get older that the, the age at which you consider old goes up one year each year? 
Um, I remember when I first started in medicine, everybody thought I was too young, so I had a mustache to make me look older. Uh, and then eventually I didn't need the mustache anymore. Actually, what, I, what happened was I met Renda, and Renda banned the mustache. Um, <laughs> but um, now I don't, definitely don't need a mustache anymore. And I've noticed my patients no longer say, oh, you seem so young. Are you sure you're a doctor? Truths I should know, his love is now. I was listening to a sermon on God's will and God's love, kind of a mixture of the two. This is from a while back. Um, and it was a, a lady, and she was talking about God's will and God's love. And she said, God's will is to fold the socks. Um, and I thought, well, that's kind of unusual. I've never read that verse. Um, and she went on to explain kind of what she meant. Uh, sometimes we get caught up in this idea that um, the, the purpose of Scripture is this very high, important themes, um, in, incredible theological ideas, um, that, that we have to find these super important points. And, th and there's, there's definitely room for that. That is important in our lives. Um, but God is interested in our everyday details. Um, what we do each day as a part of our lives, the things we have to do to stay alive, the food we have to eat. Um, you just have to look at the Lord's Prayer to see some of those things. And, you know, sometimes we have to fold the laundry and we have to take care of diapers and we have to um, have a three-word vocabulary if we if we're, uh, have a new child. And... We have all these things that seem very everyday mundane, but God is in those details with us. Um, and I think his love is in, in those details with us. That's, that's, I think some of the times he loves the most are those everyday little things that we do. Paul, thinking about work, said, do everything you do unto the glory of God. So when you're at work and the things that you do at work, they're all his calling on your life. They're all important. And he loves what you do for a living, what you do to care for other people, to help other people, what you do each day. Um, he probably cares about the car that I drive. Well, I might be stretching a little bit, but I don't think so. Um, he cares about, huh, you start getting into details, what color your hair is, how many hairs you have on your head. Details that we don't even know about ourselves, he cares about. So, his love, to experience his love, the only way we experience it is today. It's, it's an experience that we have today. And he wants to enjoy your whole day with you. From when you wake up, good morning, Father. Thank you for waking me up today. I'm looking forward to the day with you. you just start your day off with that prayer. Um, and then walk with him. And, you know, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And I've also often had people say, I don't know how I can pray without ceasing because I need to, like, eat and I need to work and I need to talk to people. And I don't think that's what Paul means. Paul doesn't mean walk around with your eyes closed praying to God all day long. What he means is experience your day with God. An example for me would be when... Um, when I pull, I'm a radiologist, so I, my kids always say I sit in the dark and talk about pictures of other people. Um, <laughs> exactly what I do. Uh, when I pull up a, 
study that uh, what, we, what we, we radiologists refer to as life-changing. So someone's a little bit ill, they came into the emergency room or whatever, and we pull it up and we realize, oh, they have a, a bad diagnosis, they have cancer, uh, a life-changing diagnosis. I pray for that person. They, don't, they won't meet me, they won't know me, they'll have no idea who I am except a name at the bottom of a sheet of paper. Uh, but I pray for them. So that's kind of an example of praying without ceasing. It's uh, a, a time when, as you go through your day, you, you, you share your life with God. You just say, hey, this is what's going on right now. Um, Truths I should know. His love is unceasing from generation to generation. I want to tell a story to illustrate this. Maybe a story that will help you remember it. Uh, the spiritual point is that God not only blesses us as we walk with him, but he blesses the generations that come after us. So there was a family that uh, lived on a block, and they went to church, and uh, from all external appearance, you would not say anything special about them. Uh, but one of the things that they liked to do was invite kids in the neighborhood to church who, whose parents weren't taking them or who didn't have a ride or whatever. And so they asked a couple times, this little kid that was down the block from them who was a single child, hey, would you like to come to church with us? And um, he was afraid. His parents, he was pretty sure, didn't, were atheists and never talked about it. Um, but he kind of wanted to. He kind of felt like that would be something fun to do. He might get to uh, hang out with other people his age. Uh, and so finally he said to his parents, is it okay if I go to church with these people that are inviting me? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem, you can go. And so he started going to church, and he accepted Christ, and um, kind of uh, started following after God. And so a few years later, uh, he uh, started studying flowers. His dad had a flower farm, uh, and he went to school, learned how to um, learn to be a botanist, actually got a master's in botany. And uh, got married and started having children. He moved to Miami, uh, and he had a TV show. This is actually a long time ago, back when TV was black and white. And um, he and his wife decided, um, you know, we feel like God's calling us to do something, something different. And through a long series of events, many stories that I can't tell this morning, they decided to go be missionaries in Tanzania. Uh, which at the time was a, what we would term somewhat dangerous. Um, by the time they decided to go to Tanzania, I would say that probably 10% of missionaries died of malaria or something like that. Um, so it was, it was a, dis, uh, a big decision, especially to take your kids. And so they made that choice. The day they left for Tanzania, the headlines in the newspaper were that uh, there had been an uprising in Tanzania, uh, declaration of independence, there was a revolt against the British, everything was about to get burned down. Um, so kind of a not at the great best moment to choose to go to Tanzania. So he showed up there, it ended up being okay, similar to when we hear stories about how terrible New York is, but when you visit it, it actually seems okay. And, uh, he, uh, my, my dad and my mom, that's what I'm telling you about, um, started their ministry. And the first thing he did was he started a dairy farm, uh, nothing super exciting. And then he uh, got asked to come down to a, an area below where he lived, a uh, valley, 
and become their missionary. They didn't have a missionary in that county. And so he started a farm, which is what he knew how to do. And we had a tractor ministry, we had pigs, we had goats, we had geese that chased me around the yard. Um, I grew up on a farm. And uh, we had an outhouse. I always say I lived off the grid. I've said that before. Nobody seems to think that counts. I don't know why. But we lived off the grid. We really did. <laughs> we had a generator that I almost burned up. Uh, another story. I won't tell that. Um, but uh, he preached every Sunday. And he started realizing that there were more places that needed to hear the gospel than he could get to by himself. And so he started having uh, pastors from the States come for a short period of time, um, and people were just desperate to hear about God. And so by the end of his ministry, um, which I was a big part of, you know, I got to see as a child, he had baptized 30,000 people. Uh, and that's just, to me, I, that almost doesn't even seem real, except that I remember standing there as a hungry teenager watching him baptize people, knowing that the line was still really long and I couldn't eat until he was done. Um, so yeah, he really did baptize a lot of people. And I think about that life, but you know, it didn't just stop there. My sister became a missionary in Ethiopia, uh, kind of following in his footsteps. She was there for 27 years, um, 25 years. Uh, her son went back to Ethiopia as a missionary. And in an unusual uh, turn of events, uh, his name is Les, he um, broke down on the side of the road, and it happened to be in an area of Ethiopia where there was a, a Muslim uh, community, and they put him up for the night, and he led the whole village to the Lord. Uh, and uh, as he did that, uh, he taught them, he went back and, and discipled them, he taught them how to share the Christian faith with other uh, Muslim villages, and thousands of people Muslims were saved in, in northern Ethiopia. Um, and so, when I think about love today, what is it like to walk with God today? The impact of those decisions that we make, we don't have any idea how God's going to use them. When his neighbor said, hey, Doug, would you like to come to church with us? Like, that was just a little kid down the street that needed an invitation they didn't think, well, we better invite this guy because he's got to baptize 30,000 people, right? They, didn't, they never thought anything like that. So as we walk through our days, it is the choice to walk in love that makes the difference. We don't know the impact. The impact may be small. The impact may be enormous. But it's that choice each day as we walk in our day to think about other people, to invite them to church, to care about their needs. Um, I love it that when, uh, when we're done with the service, our church says, if you're struggling to have food, just come up and see somebody, and we have a way to help with that. I love that. That's a wonderful thing. But all of us can do that. All of us can walk through our day and think about the people around us, and how, how, can, we, how can we help that life right there? We'll never know the impact of walking day by day from generation to generation. It might be your children that you have the most impact on. His love is unfailing when I have doubts. I don't know about you all, but I have doubts sometimes. Um, I struggle with um, 
having enough faith sometimes, probably more often than I would care to admit. Um, We struggle in times of testing. Sometimes God is putting us through a time of testing and we're, we're, we're struggling with that. Why are you testing me like this, God? I believe you. I'm walking after you. I'm trying to be faithful. Why are you putting me through this? Um, I often pray that prayer that the guy in the Bible did. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Um, so, you know, we, we struggle. And so I wanted to remind us that his love is unfailing. Um, that he pursues us. And there's no chink in the armor of his love. He pursues us from day one until our death. He actually knows about us before we're born. We talked about that last week. Um, So I'm going to read this verse to you, and I'm going to tell you a story afterwards about this verse. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So my sister, uh, who was a missionary in Ethiopia, she often uh, had Bible story time. And this is one of her favorite verses. Um, And so uh, she often was teaching children. And so what she would do is she would take a penny or a coin of some kind and she would put it in her hand and she would hold it very tight. And then she would invite the kids to try and come up to snatch that coin out of her hand. And, you know, they'd all run up and trying to pull her fingers apart. And um, depending on how old they were, they might be some, some successful or not successful. And then she would say, okay, now stop. And then she would get the strongest man in the room to come and put both of their hands around her hand. And then she would say to the kids, okay, now try and get that coin. And they're like, we can't get that coin. There's no way we can get through all of that to get that coin. And that's what this verse is talking about. Jesus says, I, I have you. I have me. He has us in his hand and he's holding us tightly so that he will not lose us and in case we have any doubt about Jesus' ability to hold on to us and protect us and keep us and his unfailing love for us by the way God's hands are around Jesus' hands and nobody can get you out of that hand you are safe your love from God is unfailing it's interesting how God tests us Um, Suzanne has been through a lot, my sister, uh, one of the people that that Ren and I always say we wish we could be when we grow up, be like when we grow up. Um, And so if you think of her name and you want to pray for her, she has Lou Gehrig's right now. Uh, So she's going through a lot, Lou Gehrig's disease, which for those of you that don't know is this disease where your muscles get weaker and weaker over time and there's not really much to do about treating it. Right now her her fist is not very strong. But she's in God's hands, so it's okay. Truths I should know, his love is in us. One of the things about love that's important to understand is that we have the Holy Spirit when we accept the Lord. And so it's not, um, we often get this idea, and I'd mentioned this last week, this uh, religious fervor where we want to do the things that are right and we're going to I've got to figure out a way to make me better I'm not going to do that anymore Um, it's a real struggle when there's addictions that we're struggling with and we have this idea we're going to to force our way through, we're going to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, We're we're going to do this and there's clear evidence in scripture that God wants to do that with us and that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. 
Um, his spirit is in you. His light shines through you. His living water flows from you. And so as we are walking with God, um, the reality of God in us flows from us. And it is not, does not have to be a struggle. It does not have to be a fight. Sometimes it is, um, but it doesn't have to be. Um, a cool example that happened to us is we were in Southwest Virginia, and um, we were just, you know, same thing as, as the other story. We are just trying to do our thing. And I hired a guy uh, that, uh, his name was Dennis, to help do my marketing for me for radiology. I had some procedures I wanted doctors to know about, and so I hired Dennis to help me out. Dennis um, had been in the war in Afghanistan. Um, his tent had been blown up. And uh, his wife said to him, you survived that. I'm not going to let you go back after the four years. I, I can't handle that. So you need to come out of the military. And so he decided he would be a teacher. Uh, he had a geology degree, and he was going to teach at our high school. But the position they offered, they took away from him, and they put him in another position, a job that he absolutely hated. And uh, he was just kind of lost. He was frustrated. Didn't know what to do with his life. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for him. So he seemed like somebody that needed a job, and he was a good guy, so I hired him. So I worked with him for a while, and I thought, you know, this is, he's like, he's a really good person, and he's pretty smart. And I asked him one day, would, do you think you would ever consider medical school? And he was like, yeah, of course not. There's no way. That's for smart people. And I'm like, well, you know me now, so you know, I don't have to be that smart. And... Uh, and I, I say that, it's funny, but it's actually also true because I worked with doctors before I ever thought about going to medical school. And I thought, you know, they're not as smart as I thought they were. And that's why I went to medical school. So, <laughs> so he had that same experience. They're not as smart as I thought they were. Um, so I suggested it to him and he thought about it for a while and kind of asked what it meant. Um, I said, why don't you follow Renda around for a day or two and see what it's like to be a real doctor, not somebody that reads x-rays. And uh, so he followed Renda. He decided to go in on a C-section. He fainted walking through the door, um, <laughs> which was a bad sign. <laughs> and yet, after some discussion, he decided that that's what he would try and do. So he went back to school, did his pre-med classes, took his exams, uh, got admitted. And now he's an emergency room physician uh, in, uh, in Tennessee. And really good, too. Like, if I had an emergency, that's who I would call. He's a, he's a great guy. And I, I tell you that story not because I'm proud of me, like, wow, look what I did. It was just natural. It was just a part of walking through life, um, having influence, uh, thinking about people around you. What does that person need to, to grow a little bit, to become something, to do something? How can I add a tiny bit of value to their life? Uh, God working through us in a simple, easy way. Now, I want to be cautious, similar to what I did last week. Truths I should know. Uh, this love that we enjoy, uh, that we experience, was paid for by sacrifice and born of suffering. And when we are invited to this love, we are reminded by Jesus that we are invited to learn to pay by sacrifice and to love through suffering. So it's not all roses. 
Um, life, is, life is not only hard just on its own, but a lot of times God calls his followers to even more suffering than they would have if they were not his followers. Um, and I'm going to use my sister as an example again because it's, it's a great story and it, and it illustrates so many of the things that, that are real about walking after God. So at the time, they lived in Munz, which is northern Ethiopia. Um, and they had started their, their uh, mission work there. I talked a little bit about it last week. And um, as they were working, the, Ethiopia was taken over by a communist revolution. Communists came in, took it over. Overnight, the government was changed. And um, it was a very aggressive regime. They wanted strict communism. And anybody that was not following that um, was liable to um, persecution and death. And so um, in their little town where they lived, uh, there was a wedding. And they were not supposed to be out in the streets past a certain period of time. And the, the way the Ethiopian weddings worked was the bride and her family would go to the groom's home. Well, as they were going through the streets, the soldiers came and killed the entire party, including the bride. And the other family came to find out what had happened, and most of them got shot as well. And so, Susanna and Lynn were like, I think we, that might be our cue to leave. They weren't sure. They were praying. They had people who were depending on them that lived in their compound. There was a little bit of safety because they were foreigners. Um, and it was just, it was a very tense, difficult time. And the government came one day to their door, a uh, Communist Party official, and said, you have 48 hours to leave. After 48 hours, I cannot guarantee your safety. So they're like, okay, that's our cue. Um, and he said, when things calm down, you can come back, no problem, but right now we need you out of this area until we get it under control. So they packed up a few belongings. It turned out she had to do all the packing because just a couple of days before that happened, Lynn came down with hepatitis A. So he's incredibly weak um, and very sick. And so she got her and her kids and Lynn in the car, and um, Suzanne hates to drive. Uh, she would not like my Land Rover. Um, she doesn't do shifting hardly at all. So there they are. She's driving. Lynn's asleep, basically, driving out through rural Ethiopia, which is very difficult. There's a lot of canyons. But they made it safely and uh, left their home. And when they got to Addis, uh, it became pretty clear that missionaries were trying to evacuate because they were under really severe persecution. And their mission at the time had some airplanes that they wanted to fly out of the country to keep the airplanes from being taken over by the government. So they had a plan to leave on the airplanes, but one of the airplanes was new and it didn't have the call letters on the side. So they were trying to get the new call letters communicated from the states and there was this big whole hullabaloo. Finally, they all escaped and escaped to Kenya. Flew in five, pl five planes with no flight plan into Kenya to escape. Now here's the part of the story that's sad. Their home was never given back to them. And in their home, they had their wedding album. They had their antiques that they had brought, their very special things they had brought with them from the States to keep as memories of their family. They had their heirloom dishes. They had all that stuff. They lost it all, completely gone. Never recovered. The house ended up getting burned down. And I think, you know, that's, that's what it means to walk after God sometimes. Not for everyone. Uh, we now all have to go through that type of suffering or that type of persecution. 
Um, but when God calls us, he calls us to walk in service to others. And sometimes that's difficult. Paul puts it this way, do not be surprised that you suffer. And there's another pastor that said, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. Hmm. I wish God was interested in my comfort more than my character some days. But it's probably better that it doesn't work like that. Luke 6, 35 through 36. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. It's really easy to be kind to someone that appreciates it. It is very difficult for me, I don't know about you, to be kind to someone that wants to spit in your face after you're kind to them. Like, that's hard. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. I will never forget, I have this image in my mind, of my dad sitting in a chair, typically outside, and another a Tanzanian sitting in a chair next to him, and them talking. And dad usually had a book with him. And uh, in the book was the name of the person that he was talking to and how much money he had loaned them and then when they would repay and how much they paid back. And um, pastors would come, people in the village would come, people from all over would come because it was a very, very uh, poor area that we lived in. Poor as in uh, almost to the point where people would have to give up their children in order uh, for them to survive. Very poor. Poverty like we don't have in the U.S. Um, and so one day I picked up that book and I thought, oh, I'll glance through this. And the column where people paid money back, it was empty. He had almost no one who had ever paid him back a cent. Years and years and years and years of loaning money they agreed they would pay it back someday if they could. Never paid back any of it. And I, I thought, that's crazy. And I remember I showed it to mom, and she was like, that's your dad. She was, she was a little, little bit irritated with it. Um, and he said, I asked him about it, and he said, how could I live here with them and the lives that they live and not help to my last Be merciful even as your father is merciful. True as I should know, his love is fierce. Sometimes we think of God's love as sort of this nice cotton candy thing. It's kind of nebulous. It's really nice. It feels good. I like to sing about it on Sunday. Um, but I think God's love is powerful, intense, um, and um, sometimes it carries a spear. I'm not quite sure how that fits with our image of love, but God has a fierce love for us and a very intense love. Uh, and he seeks those that he uh, desires to, to lead to him, uh, sometimes overwhelmingly. Um, but this is a story about um, how God can reach across continents 
uh, and change lives, how he can reach through hearts and change lives. Um, Ren and I were pretty happy. We were a little too busy in our uh, careers. We had six kids. Um, and we decided that one of our pastors who was trying to adopt needed some help. Um, we were going to help him financially, and we were going to help them with an agency that we knew was trustworthy because they'd had a bad experience. And we invited him over for dinner. We had this whole thing planned. And at the end of the dinner, he was like, we've actually changed our minds and we're not interested. And my wife, who has a very fierce love, um, was very angry and left the table, deserted the pastor and I so we could sit and talk to each other uncomfortably. <laughs> um, and I went upstairs when he had left and I had cleaned up. She was sitting around on her bed, our bed, with these images of these children, and she was sobbing. I'll never forget this. And um, she didn't say, which is what I was expecting, how can he not take one of these children? They were in Ethiopia, they had no hope, no one to care for them, and he had a house, and he had money, and he had a family where they, they were actively seeking, and she was, I, I was expecting her to be very angry with him. And she turned to me, <laughs> and she said, I was really angry, but as I look at these children, I've realized we have a house, we have the ability, we have a home. We could adopt one of these kids. I think God's telling us to adopt one of these kids. I think that's actually all she said was, I think God's telling us to adopt one of these kids. And I said, in my very spiritual, mature, husbandly way, I think you're crazy, and I walked out and slammed the door. <laughs> I was completely overwhelmed by the idea. But Renda does have a fierce love, I think she got from God. Uh, and she said, I, unless you're sure that God's telling you no, I, this is something we should pursue. And I remember we looked through the uh, names and there was one person who had the same birth date as she has. And we both felt called to that, that little boy. Um, and so she did all the paperwork. She was amazing. She took care of everything that had to be taken care of um, for us. And six months later, uh, we were fairly along in the process, and it was time to tell our family. Uh, and one of the things that Edson's here today, Edson said, it's okay for us to adopt somebody, but he wanted to remain the baby of the family, so they had to be older than him. We were very glad the person we had picked was uh, older than him. So he agreed. Everybody else in our family came on board. And we were going through the process of, of um, getting things set. And then one day, kind of surprisingly early, we just got a call. It's time to go. We kind of dropped everything. We had to scramble to get people to cover us at the hospital. Hopped on an airplane. Flew over to Ethiopia. And I remember I was laying there one night. One night. I was laying there the night that we arrived in Addis Ababa. Uh, hearing chickens out the window, birds calling, 
and thinking, what in the world are we doing? This is crazy. And so we had some classes. They taught us a little bit about Ethiopia. I think it was two days before we got to meet our child. And we learned, there was a group of us there. We learned, kind of, we met some of the other people, kind of learned about their families and what their stories were. Um, and then we got to meet our children. And um, it was the strangest thing because every child matched the family that they were going to. Um, like there was one, one group of parents, one set of parents that were, they were kind of, clumsy and they were all interested in like philosophy and, and um, I would turn them a little bit uh, a little bit odd and their kid was the same way it was like he like matched them so anyway I remember meeting Ewab and I remember how much joy and overwhelming love I felt um, when I saw him we had seen his picture and I knew that he was coming to our family and I felt completely overwhelmed by that um, and that love just just was natural and full and so rich and so precious and as we got to know him we realized he was like a missing piece in our family that our family needed and I think that that's, that's a tiny picture of God how, how God feels about us now today in this room he loves us with this overwhelming love. One of my favorite verses, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. So if you don't know uh, Jesus that I'm talking about, I invite you after we start singing to come over there and learn about him or speak to one of the staff. And if you know him, walk with him today. Walk with him tomorrow. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, hey, good morning, God. It's nice to see you. God is love today. Gentlemen, thank you. Dr. Knapp, thank you. One of the the thing that, that the things that I enjoy the most about these moments on Sunday morning is hearing your voices. Because there's something crazy that's happening in that moment. You're not singing to these people, right? You're singing to the Lord. stop and think about that the reason that you're able to sing to him is because he loves you do you ever think about what his response is to that that's unimaginable I don't I can't what is he doing you are actively blessing him and he is drawing near and closer to you in that moment what I'm telling you right now is that that does not require us to be in this place to happen. That happens every day, every moment of the day. And he wants to, in that moment, draw closer to you and express his love to you. Later this afternoon, tomorrow morning, when you don't want to start your week, his love is present in the moment. And 
you should remain aware that that is happening because your life will be magnitudes better, magnitudes uh, more enjoyable.